Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. I think you know, for me, the Christ Press has been very much a part of our formation, even for eternity. And I still remember when Chris Walker was there and you know he came and he joined me to be one of the pastors of Eternity Church. And the church very graciously you know, sent him to us. So we are grateful for that. And then I think when we first began, I decided I needed to move out of this very large big Presbyterian church that was third and go into a church that is smaller where I could build community in a more intimate way. I think we did joint services in the evenings for about three months. And uh, I think after all these years, what is it? Almost after 15 years, like Jordan and Mary Nehemiah have come, come and joined us. And so you've contributed to us richly. And so I'm grateful for that. I think for me, today what I'm going to do is not so much, um, I'm not going to give you slides and things to write down or anything. I would say if we can just experience together what it means, what is gratitude and what are the theological implications in a pastoral way for a church? This is not just individuals. We are called as a community to be a grateful community. How are we a grateful church in this nation? See, so gratitude that extends beyond my individual thankfulness, say for my health or you know, what I've inherited from my parents or, or for the grace of God that has just lifted me and brought me out. I want to sort of move it a little. Gratitude often has the thing that I've been given something and I'm thankful for it. And this is something we teach our children very early. I've got a granddaughter who's one and a half and one of the first things almost the first 10 words we wanted to learn is thank you. So just say ta, just say thanks for, you know, instead of, if she can't say thanks, just say ta, just means thanks. So from early on, we want, at least in our Christian value system, that we are a people who come with deep sense of thanksgiving into the presence of God. And that gratitude is uh, not just in worship time, gratitude is something that becomes the very attitude of my mind. But what I want to do tonight is to move it a little 
differently and say, how can we become people who move beyond just gratitude to being generous? So that our very generous presence. Are you there? Yes, we're still here, David. I don't know. Suddenly it said you've been signed out. <laughs> what happened? Okay. Uh, yeah, you're still here too. Good. Um, So what I want to look at is move to the place from saying, I'm grateful to God, I'm grateful to others or my family, to the place of saying, I'm not just somebody who's grateful for what I've received. I'm going to be the kind of person that is at the other end of the transaction. The one who's giving, the generous one, so that at the end of my life, almost people can say, I'm grateful that God put him here on earth or God put her here on earth. See, that we become the source for gratefulness of others. And so as I look at that whole thing, generosity, yeah, it is not just, I'm not just talking of money, I'm talking of a generosity of the spirit, uh, a generosity of heart, a generosity of life. And uh, even as I'm planning you know, in about five months time, I retire, and so I've been making a list of people who I want in my life. And the prime criteria became, are they givers or are they takers? Because most people around us are takers, not givers. So are you a giver or a taker? If you're somebody who gives and has a generous spirit, you create gratitude. You evoke gratitude. Gratitude increases because of the presence of generosity. So that's the place from where I'm coming tonight. So what does it mean for us to be generous? Does generosity shape my mind and the way I think? In a very capitalistic society where the bottom line is everybody's concern, how do I develop a lifestyle that gives away rather than holds? or keeps or takes so that it is very countercultural. So where my heart is a heart where uh, it is filled with love and the nature of love 
is to give. So, uh, it is the image of God in us is not just the need to be loved, but to love another is the primary image of God. So theologically, for me, it it is born out of the image of God. You know, uh, so where do we go for beyond gratitude to this generosity? We go to the very character and nature of God. So when I look at that, the way my mind is shaped, the things my heart loves, because it's very clear in scripture, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And is your spirit extravagant? Is it lavish in the way you love people or I love people? Where it, it all has to do with people around us. And so just to, to be able to uh, constantly represent, imitate Jesus and the way he gave of himself so that Jesus will say, freely you've received, freely give. So it, it, it is that sense of gratefulness that moves to that place of I've received so abundantly and this is changing me not just what I do it is changing my very being my character my thinking my the love of my heart the the very spirit of who I am it is beginning to change so, so that's the primary shift I want us to look at. Any questions in this shift from gratitude to generosity? Hi, David, since you asked for questions. Yeah. But, but as I understand what you said, basically gratitude has to be the foundation of generosity. I see it the other way around. I see the generosity of the character of God is what evokes gratitude in me. And therefore, uh, I'm at the receiving end of the generosity of God. And because I see, it is not just what I receive that I'm grateful for, I begin to reflect the very character and nature of God, which is this generous spirit. Good question, yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you look at, at going back to God, but at the same time within us individually, we experience this, and that's a foundation then for us becoming generous and, and becoming, using your term, like God, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So gratitude has to lead 
somewhere. And gratitude leads to this, to a development of a character that is generous. Uh, otherwise, all, all I'm doing is I'm grateful, I'm thankful. Yes, I acknowledge others who are good to me or God who's good to me, but has it changed me? So, until I have become in turn the generous person. Anything else? Okay, let's let's move on. So, one when you read Romans chapter twelve, among the list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, generosity is mentioned. Now, I have seldom, you know, in particularly in charismatic Pentecostal circles. I've seldom people, I've seldom heard people ask God, Lord, fill me with the power of generosity. We're asking for healing. We're asking for all kinds of power and manifestations. But seldom, actually, I've never heard anybody ask, Lord, make me a generous person because that's a gift of the Spirit. But it's, it, so generosity as a gift is not just what I practice, but a gift is something above and beyond my capacity. Where the Holy Spirit comes and does things which by normal human nature, I would hesitate to do or not do, because I would be counting the cost. But generosity doesn't, uh, as a gift of the spirit, it doesn't count the cost. Uh, it, it goes above and beyond that. So, so I would say, as you sort of go deep into this whole thing of gratitude and thing, I would encourage you as a church, and again, I pray that this is a communal experience of the spirit. See, not just individuals. See, when Pentecost happens at the end of Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, there is a spirit of generosity. See, they will, Barnabas will sell his land and put it at the apostles' feet. They took care of the poor amongst themselves. See, by the time you come to Acts 6, the widows, etc., are taken care of. And what do they look for? They're looking for people anointed in the spirit. So I, you know, I think in this time and in this age, particularly now in our country, where the church is more associated with power, with control, with money, with popularity, and how big we can be for a church to sort of turn it upside down and learn to be a community that cares for the poor, that seeks no recognition other than this, that the father who sees in secret will reward you. So, 
It's almost like I'm saying everybody must cultivate a secret life. When we think of a secret life, we are thinking of things that we hide from others. But this is the secret life where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand does in your giving. But your father sees in secret what you do and rewards you. And so that's the kind of a working of the inner spirit that comes out of you uh, as a child of God, as an imitator of Christ, as a disciple of Christ. And this, again, it's not just for one, it's the community that becomes a grateful community, a generous community, the whole church. So my prayer for Christ Press is, Christ Press will be known as one of the most generous churches in the city. Because it, it, it is more something that shifts within us. We are, we are not just, uh, it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So I look at that and I say, you know, a gift that sets you apart from others because your generosity is beyond normal. Uh, it is not like somebody who's got a lot of money writes a check for $100,000 and that's seen as generous. No, you're talking of a woman who comes with an alabaster box and breaks it open on the feet of Jesus, kisses his feet, washes it with her tears, wipes it with her hair. You see what I'm talking about? So much so Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this will be told. The story will be told. Why? See, why is it so essential to the gospel that what this woman did, Jesus says, will be told wherever the gospel is preached. See? Because it goes to the heart of God, a God who doesn't count the costs, a God who will just pour everything out for us. So as I look at this, I look at the passage from Philippians chapter 2. You know, so Philippians 2, 1 to 8, I will just read it, just listen to it. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's a mystery. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, this is what we are called to imitate. This kind of the, the generosity of God that holds nothing back. See, this is the heart of the gospel. And so for me, you know, to say it comes from who God is and it calls us to imitate him, to be like him. Not just be grateful. See, gratefulness is good. Gratefulness is, is where we begin, but it moves us to this place where it is uh, an outpouring of your life itself, because that's what Jesus did. So life itself becomes an offering, a giving to God, to others. So, you know, God emptied himself, not because we deserved it, not because we were faithful or responsible, just simply given to us. This is the nature of generosity. You give to people who don't deserve. We live in a society that says, you know, we, they need to earn they need to they need to show that they can you know be good stewards of what we have if god did that where would we be <laughs> generosity just gives and even when the person receiving it doesn't deserve it that's the nature of generos generosity, as I see in, in, uh, in this passage particularly. Yeah. So generosity is this capacity to give of oneself. It has little to do with the recipient. It has more to do with who I am. So, who I am, how I think, what I love, what flows from me what compels me, what moves me. Yeah, any questions? Or comments? One of the things I heard you say, David, this is Lindsay and Van Sicklin, and I'm in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. I was part of Christ Pres for years. And I remember when Eternity Church got started. So this yeah. is bringing a lot of joy to my heart. Um, I noticed early on you said you you choose the people that you surround yourself with, or that may not have been exactly how you said it, but those that are giving versus takers. And I really liked that because I'm part of numerous communities and. Um, but 
what I liked about it was if we're partner, if we're surrounding ourselves with more givers than takers, there's somewhat of a partnership uh, and not only good things in our lives, but a partnership as we seek to minister to others. Now, in some areas, you know, my connection with Park Hill, that's more of a partnership in prayer. But uh, locally, it's a partnership in what we do collectively. And so that really stood out, along with all your other comments on gratitude. So Thank you. That's where I say that generosity has to become a communal identity, mm -hmm. not just an individual call. Not just an individual gifting, it can be the gifting of the whole community. So that, yeah, and key, some key people may lead it, but it becomes the whole community. So, you know, this whole thing of generosity, you know, freely you've received, freely give. You know that story about Jesus and Luke chapter 21, one to four, where he sees the rich putting the money into the temple offering and sees this widow bring the two mites and offers everything. Now, if I were to rewrite that story the way I would like it, I would say, Jesus saw this poor woman come and give all that she had. And guess what he did? He blessed her so that never more did she have any need. And, you know, her oil did not fail, her flour increased, and everything was there. But that's not the story. You see, the story is Jesus is watching a poor person give to a current corrupt temple system. The very temple that he cleans of the money changes. Why is it important for the poor to give? When poor give, their very self is changing to reflect the generosity of God. If the poor don't give, they're only at the receiving end, then they will never learn the joy of what it means to reflect that image of God. And I mean, in mission, and one of the things I was tasked is to talk of it from a pastoral, a missional, and a theological perspective. In a missional perspective, now I would go visit the village. I would sit there and you would go, and they would say, please have lunch with us. And they're so delighted you came. And they'll have two chickens, then they'll kill one chicken to cook for you. When I first began, I used to feel very guilty of this. Then when I looked at this passage, I suddenly realized saying, they need to have the joy of giving and giving sacrificially, giving extravagantly, because that is what affirms their humanity. That is what preserves the dignity of being a child of God, to give so extravagantly, 
so expensively. And so I've learned that when the poor give, uh, to recognize it, but to receive it graciously. Uh, that, that's, that's an important piece for me. But, you know, when we come to the whole issue of uh, generosity, uh, as I began by saying, you know, we live in a capitalistic society where money is everything. And uh, today, if you ask me, what is the biggest addiction in the country that the country doesn't want to address, it's the addiction to money. We are willing to see drugs, opioid crisis, abortion, all kinds of crises, pornography, all that, but money, oh, don't go there. <laughs> uh, it's not for anything that Jesus said, you cannot serve. God and money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I don't know about you, but you know, I arrived in this country with $80 in my pocket and a family of four and studying in Princeton, New Jersey. Our weekly grocery bill was $15 for a family of four. That's all we could afford. And I know what it is to be poor, but I've also become richer as I've grown. And guess what? The more money you have, the more needs you have. Haven't you found that in your life? Do you remember when you had very little and you were quite happy? Somewhere, you know, we can let money take over. And one of the biggest viruses that work against generosity is money. See, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, you know, said, there is enough to meet everybody's need, but not enough to meet everybody's greed. So there's enough to meet everybody's need, but not enough to meet everybody's greed. Yeah. So, I mean, every single one listening in today, you're in the top, we are in the top 1% of the world in terms of wealth. You know the parable of the talents? We often think of that parable as gifts that we need to use for ministry, etc. What if it is just money God has given you? <laughs> some of you he's given you 50,000. Some of you he's given you 20,000. Some he's given 10,000. And he says, let me see what you've done with that. And you come back after five years or 10 years of your life. And 50,000, you're earning probably 100,000. But have you been faithful with it, not just in multiplying it, 
but in the generosity of it, so that God can say, I will give you 200,000. This is what we have lost as part of the gospel. You see? That's why I'm saying generosity has to be something that becomes part of my thinking, my heart, the things I love, the things that capture my imagination, my motivation, my spirit, everything. So, so that's just one piece with money. So, but how do we value people around us? That's another, you know, very big thing that we have to see because it, in the kingdom of God, the commodity that is most valuable are people. In uh, Revelation, it says, I think it is 11, 26, where it says, or 18, I forget the reference. It says, the merchants of the earth weep because no one buys their cargo anymore. And he starts with gold and silver and precious stones and jewels and, and the cinnamon and ivory and the horses and donkeys and everything and slaves, the souls of men. In the economy of the world, gold comes at top and people come at the bottom. In the kingdom of God, it's reversed. People come first, and gold is fit for the streets of heaven. So we've got to ask ourselves, saying, is there a generosity towards people? So that uh, who are the recipients of your giving? Your family, your friends? Or is it the poor who have no friends? Uh, I, mean, I think what we bring to God, God multiplies and uses in a, in, a, in a very big way. Generosity has to be, you know, where he says in Matthew 6, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart is. The eye is the lamp of the body. What do you see? What do you want? So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. It says you can't serve two masters. So Jesus clearly warned us that money, wealth, these things So generosity is something that is not just my dealing with money, but something that values relationship that values people. Uh, it's, it's like a little child drew this picture of me and brought it to me on Sunday and gave it to me. There's this big round bald head with three hairs sticking on it. And then she with the long hair and ponytails and everything, and she's holding my hand. And she brings this picture and gives it to me. For me, that picture is very valuable. As a piece of art, it's worth nothing. But in the relationality of who we are, there is deep value 
because love is shared here. Yeah. And so I think this is where uh, we move from gratitude to the character of God that is so lavish, that is so self-giving, that is so extravagant, and uh, become these people that reflect Jesus. You know, they say graphite and diamond both have the same carbon atoms. Graphite and diamond. The differences in how these atoms relate to each other. So you can be a diamond or you can be a graphite. It's based on our relationships. So when Paul lists generosity as a gift in, in Romans chapter 12, it is a work of the Holy Spirit that plants the character of God in us so that it is above and beyond who I am. And the Spirit comes to the forefront in generosity. So as I wrote in that little blurb, you know, if they were to check your vitamin B levels and vitamin D levels, can you check your vitamin G level? No. Is your vitamin G level good? It's important for your spiritual immune system. In a world that believes in money, believes in a people can be used and set aside, or most relationships are transactional. In that kind of a world, I come because I'm so grateful for God. And I come because in my gratefulness for the first time, I can see who he is. And he calls me to reflect him. Thank you.